Listener Production. Wall Street has a breather after a recent run of gains. And Aussie shares of Poister opened modestly lower on Monday ahead of a busy week of Reserve Bank communication. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Monday, June 19. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update. Happy Monday, Ryan. Happy Juneteenth. Juneteenth, yes. It's a holiday in the United States tonight, so it'll be a bit quieter as far as the next couple of days are concerned. But uh, did you have a nice weekend? I did, thanks, Tom, but I did see Carlton won by 59 points. You're back. Conspicuous for the break with its recent run of underwhelming outcomes. So well done, baggers. It Um, wasn't a great weekend for my teams, both the Seagulls, which are manly, they got thumped by Parramatta, and the rugby union team got beaten by Sydney University. Yes, well, um, there's always next week, Ryan, but um, you would have enjoyed the start of the Ashes. I woke up this morning and saw the Poms Tufa, so that's not a bad start to the week. And Max Verstappen won the Canadian Grand Prix. And that's our sporting update. Yes. So you can be forgiven for thinking that you've tuned into the wrong Roy and HG. (laughs) Don't flatter yourself, Treeks. (laughs) Look, I suppose what stands out on Wall Street is that we saw the market interrupted with a declining session. They've actually been doing quite well in recent days. Well, we saw the end of a six-day winning streak for the S&P 500, Tom, perhaps disrupted by a $4.2 trillion US option expiry. So It does tend to muddy the waters. So that's a very large derivatives expiry. You can see a lot of smoke and mirrors under those circumstances when it comes to movements within the market. You can, and that was reflected in the fear index, the VIX, the volatility index. That was a bit more volatile than usual. And that was reflected in that massive options expiration, Tom. But the rally was interrupted and contributed to that were comments from US Federal Reserve officials, which curtailed optimism that the central bank is nearing the end of its aggressive interest rate hikes. Indeed. And that's why at the conclusion of the US session, we had the Dow Jones down by a third of a percent, the S&P down 0.4 and the NASDAQ down 0.7. But Ryan, what stands out to me is that on the one hand, you've got this, you know, a rather high-pitched conversation around interest rates. On the other hand, you have stocks just grinding away, and that was the fifth consecutive week of gains for the S&P 500, for example, on that index, up by 2.6% last week. Compare that to the Australian market, it's been a little bit more of a stop-start affair. We're only up 1.8% last week, but that is still like the best performance in almost a month. And in monthly terms, the index is up by about two and a quarter percent. So the point that I'm making is that the conversation does not correlate with the way that stocks are performing. Well, we are really seeing at the moment two situations evolve. On the bond market, we're seeing a situation where there's a focus on the negative, on recession. And then on the stock market, we're seeing the opposite, where there's positivity around the potential that the US Federal Reserve will pause from here. So whether they're going to skip or pause, there's two terminologies being used here. So we did see them pause last week. Markets are still pricing in uh, more than 70% chance of a 25 basis point rate hike in July. And you've got a lot of Fed officials running around talking about the need for higher rates. Absolutely. And that'll be the next part of this discussion really is whether we see a continuation of the Fed jawboning the market's enthusiasm down. So effectively saying, no, we plan to raise interest rates two more times, but of course we're data dependent 
And we hear from US Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell on Friday provides testimony to the US Senate. Indeed. So I suppose another way of looking at where this positive momentum has been generated for US stocks in particular is the whole discussion around AI, which, you know, you can kind of roll your eyes a bit and think, okay, we've got another fad now. But the reality is that where you have a disruptive technology like AI that can be quite disinflationary at the least, or could potentially be deflationary. You know, if some of the predictions come to pass around AI and what it means in terms of its disruption for the jobs landscape, you know, we're, we're sort of hoping that the unemployment rate goes up to sort of ease inflationary pressures. As the old expression goes, you should be careful what you wish for. Well, indeed, and certainly a lot of discussion about productivity at the yes. moment, low productivity in Australia. Will artificial intelligence boost that, that potentially, yeah. could disrupt it, and have a big implication for the wages story at the same time? So it's certainly an interesting discussion point at the moment. And just on those larger technology shares, those seven largest stocks, all technology-related at the moment, of course, have really rallied significantly this year, as everyone knows. And the group is on its way to reaching $315 billion US dollars in combined profits for 2023. So a lot of the discussion around the market at the moment has been on the so-called earnings recession. That's yeah. likely profit margins being under pressure from higher wages and fall in demand from consumers amongst higher interest rates and also the cost of living pressures. But we are seeing those seven stocks in particular in the United States on the NASDAQ, but also on the S&P 500 really generate all the returns and their earnings potential and, and profits are looking quite strong at the moment. Indeed. And I suppose the, you know, given the immediacy of what we seem to be talking about, this will probably be best seen, you know, in hindsight and, you know, five or 10 years time, I suppose, in terms of what it actually does bring. But of course, all, all of that is like very much pie in the sky. Now, this week will be valuable for the fact that we'll actually get a lot of context for what the conversation has been in the last week. So even though the minutes from the RBA's board meeting will be dated because of the strong jobs numbers that we saw last week, Ryan, they still hold some value, don't they? Because you know, at the moment, it seems like the RBA is a bit like that dog on a polished floor coming around the corner. It just doesn't have traction. You know, you know have you ever seen a dog do that? A little bit, yes. You've got so a dog. Kind of... doesn't, uh, you've probably got plush pile carpets oh, at your joint. I've got a cavoodle and he doesn't tend to <laughs> engage in that behavior, Tom. But oh, right. I, you've I, got I him know, trained. I do know what you mean, though. Yeah. But anyway, you know, it sounds like, you know, the, the RBA is coming from behind the eight ball in terms of trying to manage this narrative, at least, around inflationary expectations. So those minutes will be quite valuable from that perspective. Indeed. And we did see the Reserve Bank board unexpectedly increase the cash rate by a further 25 basis points, taking the cash rate to 4.1% earlier this month. And of course, a big focus will be on the commentary in the minutes around the likelihood of future rate hikes. Yep. And last week we got the jobs data, which were which was incredibly strong. Just blew everyone's hair back. Blew everyone's hair back. The unemployment rate, interestingly, at 3.6% is significantly lower than we saw in May 2022, despite 400 basis points worth of rate hikes. So despite some signs of weakness in the Aussie economy at the moment, especially in the consumer side of things, 
we are still seeing that labor market hold up. And along with worries about productivity and wage increases and the like, that's keeping the Reserve Bank awake at night. It is. I mean, what is extraordinary is that employment is generally a backward-looking measure. It is not something, you know, by the time you get those employment numbers, they're well and truly dated. But the important point that you just alluded to there was that you have seen on average over the course of you know recent months, just under 40,000 jobs being added to the economy every month. And that isn't in the context of about 4% worth of rate hikes. I mean, that's a very strong employment market, isn't it? It is. And it's proving quite challenging for the Reserve Bank as far as wage gains and, and wage expectations are concerned. And that, that's feeding into inflationary expectations from consumers with high cost of living pressures and certainly higher inflation. Therefore, those desires for higher wages to keep up. So your real wages growth is positive, which is not at the moment. Is, is, no, is more indeed. increased. So inflationary expectations are worrying. Productivity being where it is, is a concern. And the Reserve Bank appears to be behind the curve, as you said. And we're looking at at least one, if not up to three rate hikes in the coming months. Brutal. So another thing worth pointing out is that the conversation at the weekend around China and its thinking around supporting growth, there was, you know, that seems to have gone to another level around Chinese authorities doing more to support their economy. So it'll be interesting to see how today transpires in that context, Ryan, because the futures are telling us that we'll be slightly softer at the start, only modestly down by about three points. But commodity prices were generally firmer on Friday, where we saw oil up by more than a percent in terms of both the US and European benchmarks. NYMEX finishing at 71.78 a barrel. That was up by about $1.16. Gold a little bit firmer, not by much, up by about 50 cents to 1,971 US dollars per ounce. Iron ore futures slightly firmer to $103.02 per tonne. So at the margins, the uh, comments at the weekend from Chinese authorities doing more to support the economy, that should be quite positive for that sector, you'd think. Well, certainly we are continuing to see iron ore benefiting from expectations of more stimulus. It's been a bumpy post-COVID-19 economic recovery in China, and we have seen iron ore back up at 113 US dollars a tonne. So certainly those iron ore producers today could perform quite well alongside those energy producers, which have been under pressure lately, Tom. But of course, we've got no economic data to have a look at today in Australia. So it could be a quite be a, a day thin, ahead yeah. of the US public holiday tonight. I find that when you have lower volumes, that can be actually quite telling about the character of the market, you know, and which way it gravitates. So it'll be interesting to see that. Regardless, the Aussie dollar has benefited a little bit in recent days from a moderation in the US dollar, but that's kind of flipped over a little bit on Friday. The Aussie dollar softened up a little bit, not by much. It's trading at around 68.8 US cents as we move into the early part of Asian trade. Ryan, have a good day. Have a fantastic Monday, Tom. (laughs) And uh, thanks very much for tuning in. Tune in to Laura and Craig, who is making guest appearances this afternoon, our chief economist, while Stevie is away. He's a Bulldog supporter, so he may not be in the best frame of mind. That's probably been the case for about a decade. Mm. Have a good day.
This podcast is prepared, approved and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, ABN 60067254399, AFSL 238814. The information does not take into consideration your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Listener.